Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. It is another edition of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. My name is Greg Frank. Going to be joined by the eRenewable CEO, Mike Niemer, in just a few minutes. But as we always like to intro all of these podcasts with, we're going to get to eRenewable COO and Niemer. And has a few words for us. And then we'll get to myself, Mike, and our guest on today's episode. And Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And we welcome you to episode 174 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Alongside Mike Niemer, I am Greg Frank. And Mike, before we get to our guest, I say alongside, but uh, in the age of modern technology and uh, post-pandemic too, I'm sure we all kind of learn to improvise a little bit. And with the Zoom guest, it just kind of made more sense for all of us to do this in the comfort of our own home. So I'm pretty comfortable, but still good to be talking to you. Well, you look a little more comfortable than Thomas and I, because you're sitting on your couch and, and uh, kicking back. So good for you. But yeah, normally uh, a lot of our Zooms, you and I are actually together in studio when we do the Zoom, but this one we're uh, in our own respective houses. So with that said, I'll let you go ahead and get after it. Yeah, and as Mike said, our guest is Thomas McQuillan. He is the CSO of Do Good Foods, and he joins us right now. Thomas, thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing? It's good to meet you, Greg. Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Good to see Absolutely. you, Mike. Yeah, so uh, familiarize me at least. I, I, you know, I know you and Mike know each other a little bit, but uh, as you said, we we're just meeting each other. Tell me a little bit about yourself, perhaps some new listeners uh, to the podcast, and kind of how you got to the sustainability space and what you guys do at uh, Do Good Foods. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I'll just say that, you know, for the past several years, I've been very focused on um, helping to influence the creation of a much more sustainable food system in our country. Um, I had the good fortune of working for one of the largest uh, distributors of produce and specialty foods on the East Coast, United States. And one of my responsibilities years ago was to look at some of the, the the surplus food being generated in a fresh cuts operation. I had always looked at that food as useful, but um, unfortunately, you know, the way production used to work, that food was just discarded. And I thought, well, let's find a way to use that food. And then I found a partner who would take 100% of it um, to feed animals. And it was a very sort of uplifting moment in my career. This goes back to November 2016, where 100% of this, again, surplus food then gets used to feed animals. And I thought, well, you know, if we're going to spend all this energy and money in bringing food to the East Coast, we, we might as well find a use for it. And, and uh, to this day, that food is still captured and, and fed to animals. So millions and millions of pounds um, eliminated from landfill. At the time, I was more motivated in simply just utilizing the food. But over the years, I've educated myself in the dangers of food to landfill. And that just propels my interest in, in in getting to a place in our country, in our world, where food is no longer sent to landfill and it's 100% utilized for th- in three ways. One, to feed people, of course, 
feed animals and feed soil. Um, and that has been something that I've worked on uh, for many years. Now I'm, I'm with a company called Do Good Foods. Um, Do Good Foods has as its mission to eliminate food to landfill. Um, our first solution takes surplus food from the grocery store level. We capture it in the store. We capture produce. We capture meats and fish in, in separate uh, bins, the meat and fish in one, the produce in another. And we bring that to a facility uh, in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania, and we cook that product, um, essentially pasteurize it, and then we dehydrate it. And that becomes the one of the feed ingredients for the do-good chickens. So this solution eliminates food to landfill or eliminates food waste. And that's a direct um, assault on climate change, because what we know now is how damaging food in landfill is to our environment. Uh, food in the absence of oxygen is going to anaerobically digest and in that process release methane. Um, if the food was to break down naturally, it would release carbon into the atmosphere, which is something that our system our nature is built to manage, but our, our, our nature is not built to manage methane. And so that methane gets released into the atmosphere, causing all kinds of environmental issues. And so in, at the, in the do-good world, we can create a chicken using this food. Uh, the chicken's happy to eat produce and, and meat products, as those birds were designed to do. And we can create a delicious chicken and solve a major environmental issue. You know, listening to you speak there, it does seem like uh, just a couple of those causes are stuff that on a personal level mean a lot to you, obviously, being environmentally friendly, but also seems like you're quite a big animal person. So are, are those just have both of those things kind of always been a part of your identity in terms of protecting the environment and, you know, making sure that, you know, animals are well off? I, I think that, that all of these issues um, run together part and parcel. I think that when you think about um, feeding an animal a veg-fed diet, let's be honest, if we're going to call a veg-fed diet corn and soy diet, then call it a corn and soy diet. But a chicken is uh, designed to eat um, bugs and worms. That's what they get up in the morning and would prefer to eat. Of course, if they're in an area where all they can get is corn and soy, they're going to eat it. Uh, I think for us to call uh, the chicken's diet a veg-fed diet on corn and soy is a little bit disingenuous. Um, if we were talking about, you know, multiple types of produce uh, products that were going into that diet, that would be much more interesting to me. Um, but the reality is, if we are if we are going to generate meat products in the in the production of food and then the sale of food at the grocery level, how dare us send that valuable meat to landfill? when we can feed it to our animals. Uh, this is what we did 100 years ago. This was the natural way. We had animals in our backyard and we fed them food products that were in excess to us, but became part of their diet. And in that model, you wasted nothing. Now, you could ask the question, is that good for the animal? I think it is. I think an omnivore deserves a complex diet. And if we can provide that using our surplus food, that's a win, 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 win. And, and, I, and I do think that becomes a, a humane issue for the animals, in my opinion. I think they should um, have access to a much more rich and nutritious diet. You know, I want to go back to uh, your topic with regards to uh, the landfill and the food waste, uh, creating more of a methane emissions into the ozone, uh, mm -hmm. into the atmosphere. Uh, I don't know if people really realize that methane that you're referring to contains much more uh, CO2 than just your basic 
CO2, right? It's like 26 times or more pollutants into the air than what it would be if it was just CO2 going into the air. Would that be correct? Yeah, I mean, and that's a yes, you're absolutely correct. I mean, we understand that to be 20, methane to be 28 times more damaging to the environment than the carbon release. Uh, there are some scientists talking about it being much more than that. Um, I think it's important for your listeners to understand that the way nature designs the breakdown of organic matter is in the presence of oxygen, that matter breaks down. And ultimately, what's remaining becomes part of the soil system. And the absence of oxygen is where you have uh, the anaerobic uh, arrangement happening, which is what's happening in our landfill. And quite frankly, nature has never had a species that it had to deal with that buried its food so deep that it had to manage methane in this way. So we, uh, we are creating the problem for ourselves. But what I find so fascinating about the question is, why in the world are we sending nutritious and delicious food to landfill? Why are we sending assets to landfill at all that have a use? I mean, when I think about the responsibility as a sustainability person, and I don't even like that word, I think it's, I think I'm more of a person who helps others understand how to glean the greatest value out of the assets under that management. And if that's the case with food, then we're going to put that food to use. How do we put it to use? As I said earlier, let's make sure we're feeding people. Feeding people, and in, that includes, of course, the food insecure around us and making sure they're getting nutritious food, taking food that's left over and feeding it to our animals deliberately, getting them nutritious and delicious food. Why, why wouldn't we do that? And then the third is, of course, feeding our soil. Let's stop making excuses. Act like composting. We're doing somebody a favor. We need to look at our soil as needing this organic matter. Let it let that organic matter we used to send to landfill have the opportunity to aerobically digest and become a nutrient dense component of our soil. So when actually when we're sending this wonderful food to landfill, we actually have in our possession the very item that can rebuild our soil system and reverse desertification. What are we doing? You know, everything that you're talking about there is all part of our circular economy, right? And so, uh, you, so you said it, some critical things there, but with the, regards to the food and landfill, do you see much of the landfills that do contain food uh, being harvested for renewable natural gas and the anaerobic digesters coming through and processing? Or do you see more of the renewable natural gas coming from uh, the manure and the... Uh, you know, the, uh, the plant-based products. Do you, well, do I, I think it's a combination of all those things. I think there are certainly facilities around the country who find the best solution is to create energy in, as you describe, an anaerobic digestion arrangement, whether it's dry or wet, and they are creating energy. And then hopefully that digestate becomes part of the soil system. And I've seen a number of those in action and they're very exciting. I think that it's, really crucial for us to elevate in our minds the use of that food to better understand how can we use that food to feed people? How can we use that food to feed animals and then use digestion? I think part of the challenge is we oftentimes look at food items as not edible. Why don't we eat a carrot peel? Why don't we eat the celery butt? Why are we discarding these food items? And by the way, I'll, I'll venture to say that, you know, why are we using so much land? Why are we continuing to destroy our forests to, to grow food? We're never going to eat. That's just madness in my mind. So 
what we want to do is look at the amount of food that's produced and say, hey, how do we put this to use in every instance in those three solutions that I've laid out now twice for the audience? There should be, in my mind, no other solution. There shouldn't be a reason to capture food at a landfill and capture energy from it because food should never be going to landfill. Thomas, I want to ask a little bit about your team at Do Good Foods and on a daily basis, kind of who you're working with and the different roles that everybody has and how the whole operation works. Well, that's a great question. Um, we have an absolutely extraordinary leadership team. And, you know, my role as chief sales officer is to bring the chicken that we create to market. I also have it as part of my responsibility. The team uh, is very much involved in the production of the chicken uh, from the creation of the chicken, the slaughter of the chicken, the packaging of the chicken. Um, and then we work very much, uh, very closely with the marketing team who has done an extraordinary job building our brand. We have Catherine Greener on our team, our chief sustainability officer, who can speak with much more authority on some of the questions that you've already asked regarding carbon generation, et cetera. Um, I would encourage you to, have, you to have her on the show to talk about what we call the impact receipt. And that is simply you know, looking at the number of chickens that we can raise as do-good chickens and the direct measurable impact that has on the environment by reducing greenhouse gases that are associated with those chickens that are eating that food. So she would be a wonderful uh, person to have on the show. Our, our, we're founded by the Kmine family. Um, Justin and Matt Kmine are our co-CEOs and co-founders. Um, they, in conjunction with their father, Hal Kmine, have built the business uh, over the last six years and, and have created this unbelievable solution. Um, and I call the, so, and, you know, of course we have the standard HR folk, Ke uh, uh, Kevin Erickson, who's extraordinary. We across the board, uh, it's just a really dynamic team on my time, on my side, I have, um, Judy Hall who manages our processes and all our internal, uh, uh customer experience type, uh, activities. And then Fred Sousa, who has a very rich history in the poultry business, um, who is running our day-to-day -day sales. So we have a complex organization with lots of folks doing different things. Of course, as I mentioned to you, we're creating the feed. So we have an operations team that has to capture this food at the grocery level, teach those teams how to capture the food, how to decant the food or remove its plastic and twist ties and so on. That team then brings the food to our facility in Fairless Hills, and, and they do an absolutely extraordinary job in creating a very consistent feed. Um, and then we have our supply chain folks under the leadership of Pat Carroll who get that feed consistently to our farms so that they can feed it to the chickens. So there's a lot of moving parts here, but when you think about the overall solution, we, in a very uh, harmonious way, are a scalable, measurable solution to eliminate food and landfill, to bring that food to our poultry. And of course, we're chickens now, but we're, we have a partnership with Michael Foods to create eggs. We are looking at turkey as, an, as, a, as another option down the road. But when we think about chicken, there's just so much opportunity to feed this delicious and nutritious food to chickens that this team can now replicate what we did in Fairless Hills, build out facilities in other states. And we we do have it in our sites to build in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Selma, North Carolina, the next two sites. But at some point in the future, there should be these facilities in every community that can bring to us um, 160 tons of food per facility. And at that point, we, we can deliberately measure 
how we've eliminated food to landfill and converted that into a very important feed ingredient to the, to, for the animals. So this is somewhat of a simplified solution. It's very complex to ex execute it, but it's simply taking the food in our management and our control and putting it to use. That, in my opinion, is the true definition of sustainability. You know, you're bringing up your new uh, expansion plans. How many states do you gather food waste from now? So we are, um, our first facility was built in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania, which is in the eastern part of the state, very close to Trenton. So most of the, most of the facilities we pick up from are within a hundred mile radius. We want it to be tight. We don't want to create any other sustainability issue. When we're picking up the food, we want to be as efficient as possible. Um, but we also recognize that there is a lot of food going to landfill in this country. We would imagine that it'd be very easy to build out 50 of these facilities in the country and, and really make a big impact on food to landfill, but there'll still probably be a need for more. As I said, our facility can manage 160 tons of food today. So when we think about how much food in the United States is actually sent to landfill, there's a long way to go to get that food utilized. Of the peers you have in the marketplace uh, doing similar yet maybe different work than Do Good Foods, how many of them are there in your marketplace across the United States? <clears throat> Obviously not enough, but I'm just curious. I'm sure everybody's wondering, you know, how many of these people exist? Well, I think there have been attempts to raise animals using surplus food. This is not a new thing. I mean, there are plenty of organizations out there that uh, partner with their local grocery stores and take surplus and feed it to animals, their pigs, et cetera. And that has been going on for millennia. Um, I think a comprehensive solution like this that takes 100% of the food coming out of the grocery store um, and scalable like we are, that has not existed before. And I'm not familiar with any company that has approached the solution with such a comprehensive lens as we have as Do Good Foods. Last one for me, Thomas, just um, what take us through the, the future for you guys at, at Do Good Foods a little bit, like the rest of 2023 and, and beyond kind of what do you want to still accomplish? Like what's still on the agenda? Well, Greg, that's such a great question. I appreciate that. One of the things I was going to say, and this ties into your, your, your question today, your listeners can find our chicken on shelf at Target in uh, Dallas and in, in the Dallas area and uh, Colorado. We are um, at Giant. We are at Acme, Safeway. Um, we're at Morton Williams in New York City. We're launching this week with the Insera Group, which is part of the ShopRite Wake Firm team. Uh, to make it easy for your, your um, listeners, they can go on our website, dogoodchicken.com, and go into our locator, which is you just click on that little hamburger in the top right corner and put in your zip code. It'll tell you the closest store on the retail level. About half of our food that we produce goes into food service. So many of the chefs and restaurants that you may your 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 listeners may be um, enjoying today may have do good, may not, but they could certainly ask. Um, and we're distributed up and down the East Coast by Pat Lafrida, um, Dolan Bailey up in the Boston market, and Baldor Specialty Foods uh, throughout their uh, network, which is from um, uh, DC all the way up to Portland, Maine. So we, um, so we have this food service element to us and this retail element to us. So, <clears throat> so, so your listeners have access uh, in that way. 
in terms of um, growth, yeah, we, as we produce more feed, we can produce more chickens. As we do that, we can grow in within the footprint we're in, which we absolutely want to do. And then it opens the doors for new distribution in other marketplaces and to work with other um, companies to raise the birds. We are raising our birds today at Allen Rim, based in Harbison, Delaware, absolutely extraordinary partner who has done a great job in making sure our chickens are fed this ingredient throughout their life and then brought into their facility. And um, they are processed in a, in a humane way. They are a GAP2 certified facility that um, um, is just a, a wonderfully responsible organization. And I'm so proud to be partnered with them and to grow with them. And we want to expand with them and then look for other opportunities around the country where there are other processors who see the do good feed ingredient as a wonderful way to provide a nutritious uh, diet for their chickens at the same time, fixing this massive environmental issue we call food to landfill. So that's what I see as the future. And I hope we get there sooner than later. We, we can't wait. Our, the impact on climate uh, we can have immediately by by expanding this solution and and I hope that some of your listeners get fired up on the, on this on the solution and and get behind us and and support us to to expand rapidly. Well Thomas, when any of our listeners go to for example the Target in Dallas or in Colorado, is your product labeled under do good foods or are you white labeled within each respective organization? No, you'll find us labeled as do good food. It's going to have a blue stripe down it that, that that banner really jumps out at you when you're at the store and you'll find us there. Um, and again, just put that zip code in. You'll see which specific stores uh, we're in. We, we're hoping to grow with all of our banners rapidly in the next come, in the next few months. We're talking to all of them about that. And as we add new stores, um, you'll see those, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll add those to our our list of stores. Um we have another retail distributor in the, in the, uh, on the East Coast named Four Seasons. They are um, going into more of the natural chain uh, stores for us. So we're very excited to be at Murphy's. We're at uh, Green's and uh, Mrs. Green's and Dean's, uh, as well as uh, Mother Earth up in Kingston. So as we expand the number of stores, we'll add those zip codes and, and, and your listeners could, can find us there. So, so you know, or visit our website and, and just see wh where we're expanding to. But that those things are all in the works now. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for joining Greg and I on today's Green Insider. You provided a wealth of information about a topic that I don't know how many people actually realize what parts you your your role in, in the in the circular economy you have and that how large you can expand that footprint going all the way across the country and the good it can do for, for everybody. Yeah, please keep the good work up with your cause. There's no doubt we'll need to get you back on the show once every three to six months, because I know there's going to be another big update coming as you open more markets across the United States. And so please stay in touch. You know, please uh, introduce us to Catherine Green. We'd love to be able to bring her on the show also. Uh, but thank you so much for your time today. It's very enlightening. We've not had anybody like you on the show with regards to this topic. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Awesome. I'll just leave you with this one last thought. April is upon us. It is a very, very important month. We celebrate Earth Day on the 22nd of April. That is our one-year anniversary as a company. Um, 
I would love to see your listeners get motivated by what we've what we're accomplishing as our mission. And I think the the most important takeaway here is you can make a huge difference just by buying a chicken that is eating surplus food. It was really that simple. But what can you do in your home? What can you do in your business? How can you further utilize the assets under your management? That's going to create economic value for your company, yourselves at home. It's going to have a positive impact on the environment. And in that, in the spirit of doing good, you can take those additional resources and share them with people around you who are less fortunate. And I think that that is really what builds a sustainable future. So thanks for having me. All right, there he is, Thomas McQuillan, our guest here from Do Good Foods on episode 174 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. For Mike Meemer, I'm Greg Frank. Hope everybody enjoyed today's episode. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, and leave us a five-star rating. Because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day. And we were responsible for today's lesson. That'll wrap things up for us here on episode 174. We'll talk to you later.